Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Podcast Meets Purpose, produced right here at the Institute for Leadership and Service at Valparaiso University. I'm Tyler, joined here by Liz and another very special guest. Uh, today we have with us Aaron Yazzie, a mechanical engineer for the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab and a member of the Navajo Nation. Aaron, uh, please feel free to introduce yourself. First of all, thanks for being here. We appreciate your time. I think I've thanked you like eight times already, <laughs> but, uh, but thanks for taking the time for us. Uh, so. If you can go ahead and introduce yourself for us, that'd be that'd be great. Sure thing. Um, so just something for you guys all to know as Navajo people, introduction is actually a very important thing for us. So uh, I'm gonna introduce myself in Navajo for you guys. Um, Hello everybody, my name is Aaron Yazi. Um, what I just said there is my four clans. That's how we sort of identify ourselves as Navajo people. So my first clan is the Salt Clan, that's the one that I inherited from my mother. Uh, my second clan is uh, the Bitterwater Clan, which is what I inherited from my father. Um, and then Towering House from my mother's father and uh, Near the Water People, which is my father's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our clan system is sort of like family it's almost like last names like um my if somebody else has my same first clan then we're considered brother and sister we're related um and so when we introduce ourselves into a a large crowd um it's a way for us to just identify if we have any relatives or something in the audience and just identifies who we are um but my name is aaron yazi i'm originally from holbrook arizona which is a small town in northern arizona it borders the navajo nation um and i uh, grew up in grew up there all the way through high school uh, ended up going to Stanford University um, for college. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering there and then started working at NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory right after. And I've been there working as a mechanical engineer for the past 11 years. Wow, already way, <laughs> way above <laughs> anything I could fathom. But let's go back. We just want to go back to your roots. So um, we just want to know how your journey got started and what kinds of things you did from way back when through like how that got you to where you are today. Yeah, so my journey is pretty unique. Um, I didn't, I would say that there's not a lot of Native Americans that have the opportunity to go to college or to go into the STEM fields. And that's for a lot of different reasons. And so I also faced a lot of those same challenges. Some of them are just that it wasn't very long ago that like my grandparents were very traditional, um, didn't have an education. My parents were the first generation to get any type of education. They learn English in elementary school. So Navajo was their first language. Um, my first language was English. There's already something that puts me, uh, gives me a little bit of a, a privilege or an advantage. And I had both of my parents were the first generation to, in their families to end up going to college. And so I had two parents that had a college education and that was something that also set me up um, for success. I, I, I knew as a student, as a, as a as a kid growing up that I was going to go to college. Um, And that's something that's not a given for a lot of Native American students. Um, So so despite all the, there are things that are definitely privileges that I I was able to take advantage of, but also a lot of things that I had to figure out for myself. Even though my parents went to college, they never went to a place like Stanford and nobody from my community, nobody from my family had ever been to a place like that. So I had to sort of navigate that journey from coming from a small town a small public high school and then jumping into a place with it's i think it was actually the number two engineering school in the nation so very technical engineering forward they weren't going to slow down for a small kid a small town kid like me and so i had a lot of learning to do very quickly it was almost like drinking from a water hose or fire hose and so it was a bit of a culture shock and so i i sort of had to navigate that myself but but out of that, uh, I made it through and it out came this awesome career that I have. Yeah. How did you know that you wanted to do engineering? 
That's a good question. I, I, I kind of knew it from an earlier age. My dad uh, is a civil engineer. Huh. Um, and so uh, I think his influence growing up, but also he was always just like, we were always working outside with him. We lived, we lived in a pretty rural area. And so we were always having to upkeep our own house and we built our own garage and all that kind of stuff. We were really working with our hands a lot. He would sort of give me a lot of responsibility and my own, allowed me to take care of my own sort of projects and stuff. And so I think being able to think conceptually about things that I wanted to build and build them with my own two hands is like sort of the mindset of an engineer. And so I, I did a couple summer programs when I was in high school that sort of helped me narrow in on the type of engineering I wanted to do. So after, I think it was after my junior year of high school, I went to a summer program where I did specifically mechanical engineering type of projects and I really, really liked it. And so that's what I decided to go study. For those of our listeners that don't, haven't done the research and don't exactly know what it is that you're working on now, could you give them a bit of a background as far as the things you're doing today like with NASA currently? Yeah, um, so in the time that I've been working at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, I've actually been working on a lot of missions that deal with Mars, coincidentally. Um, but Mars, I mean, JPL does send a lot of things to Mars. Um, so if you heard of the Sojourner mission, the Mars Exploration Rovers, the Twin Rovers, the Curiosity Rover, those are all out of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Um, so when I started, they were actually building the Curiosity Rover on lab. So I remember taking my first tour and seeing the the whole rover being built in the clean room, which was really cool to see. And so after, uh, it wasn't too long after that, that I got involved in being on this team that was doing a lot of testing to qualify the ways that the rover was going to acquire samples on Mars. And so what that means is that we want to send the rover up there to drill into a rock and grab the powder from that rock, process it so that we can get this nice fine powder, um, drop it off to science instruments that are in the rover. So, so up to that point, the engineers had built all the capability for that rover to do it. They could, they knew we could move the arm around, we could move the actuators around, but we didn't know exactly what types of commands, what durations, how much power, all that kind of stuff that we wanted to actually command the rover to do mm-hmm. in order to, to get those, those samples. And so our team got to do that. Um, and it was a lot of young people my age, we were probably like three or four years of working there, working two shifts and just fig- doing a bunch of tests that simulated Mars atmosphere. Like we had a giant test chamber where we actually pumped out all the pressure from it. We took it down to really cold temperatures and hot temperatures. We brought in a big sandbox and we brought in rocks that were very close to Mars analog rocks yeah. and practiced drilling over and over again and figured out exactly how we were going to successfully command the rover to get samples for us. Um, and so we, it, the result of that is that we got to actually send those commands to the rover when, uh, when it was ready for its first drill and its first scoop. And we got to see it work and they sent the pictures back as confirmation and we got to see our work actually being manifested into this flight thing. Pictures were sent to like Time Magazine and yeah. it was on the news and it was incredible. So that was a really amazing first project to work on. From there, a new project that was also going to Mars called the Insight Lander. Insight was going to Mars in order to study its deep interior. Um, and it would do it with a suite of instruments. One of them was a seismometer, which is basically, um, it, it, it feels the ground for Mars quakes. So we have earthquakes here, they have Mars quakes there. Same thing, there's Makes tectonic sense, activity yeah. happening underneath the surface. They wanna figure out what kind of motions are happening underneath yeah. the surface. Um, they also had this mole, This they call it the mole, but it, it, it kind of acts like that. It's like this little mechanical mole mechanism that can hammer itself down into the ground about 15 feet mm. and then it's attached to this long tether um and then so that we can 
and, and all along the tether is a bunch of temperature sensors. And so we can see the difference in temperature 15 down, 15 feet under the ground all the way to the surface. Um, and so if we study all these things about the Mars deep interior, we can learn about why a terrestrial planet like Mars, Earth is also a terrestrial planet, um, why do terrestrial planets develop the way that they do? Yeah. Um, so when we learn about, when we're studying Mars, we're actually learning a lot about ourselves. Yeah. Why space? Space. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good question. Um, I never thought that I would end up at NASA and, and doing stuff for space. A lot of people, one of the uh, more common questions is like, did you always want to work at NASA? Did you know you wanted to work at NASA when you were a kid? And the answer is no. I never thought that I would ever work at a place like this. Um, it's it's just sort of like one of those things that you don't even think it's an opportunity available to you. Yeah. It was too big of a dream. It was too big of a thing. Um, it wasn't until I started going through education, doing internships, doing summer programs that I got a little bit closer, a little bit closer to realizing that this was actually something that could be possible for me. Um, so when I first started working there, that's sort of the first real, oh, that's like, that was the first time I was actually like uh, full-fledged into space research and, and all that. In, in the research that we've done, we I think your first job out of university was at NASA. Was that correct? If, am I wrong? Yeah, that's okay. right. I've been working there ever since I've finished college. Incredible. So what um, a and I'm, a, job. <laughs> I'm in a job <laughs> search right now. I'm definitely not applying at NASA. Yeah, that's almost like that's almost funny. <laughs> so um, this is just kind of a it's an off the wall question, but what does um, for our graduating seniors what does a job application at NASA even look like? Is it like your traditional? you know, resume drop or is it, is it something much more than that? It was kind of, I mean, it was a resume drop for me. I, so I was pretty heavily involved in an engineering society called the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. Mm -hmm. So very similar to something like Schiff or Nesby or SWE. Um, and so they have a giant national conference every year. And I was at the national conference my senior year where they had a big career fair and met with the recruiter there and just talked with, with her for a, uh, a good amount of time and she asked for my resume she took it back and then I got offered an interview out of that oh, so that I think just the conversation and the resume um, after they offered me an interview it was an on lab interview so I flew down to to Pasadena and I was there for an entire day and I interviewed with about five different people um, wow. and and at the end of that I got they, they already told me immediately when I was driving back to the hotel that they were going to move forward with my hiring process. And I ended up getting offered uh, from two different organizations within oh. uh, JPL. Um, so that was excellent. I, and, and I think the things that really helped me um, is that I already had previous internships at NASA centers. Um, so I had already had an internship at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center and another one at NASA Glenn Research Center. Um, and so I think just, and, I, and I'm sure that they're open to experiences at other internship, other, other places. They really just want to see that you can work on a project, that you can understand how to break down concepts and challenges and, and work through them, that kind of thing. Um, but that's how my, my NASA experience went. I actually learned that I got the job halfway through my senior year. So wow. I, after I learned, I was like, shoot, now I have to like actually pass the rest of my classes yeah, right? so just I can graduate. <laughs> Everybody, just to reiterate, go to the career fairs. <laughs> go yes. to the career fairs. Network, 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 network. It's, it's yeah. very true. And, and, and definitely do stuff over the summertime or, yeah. or like get internships, do some kind of like research internship, something that mm -hmm. um, really helps. Yeah, for sure. So um, how have your occupations, the things that you've done, supported your own passions and your own quote unquote purpose? Deep uh, question, but. <laughs> no, yeah, that's sorry. a deep question. Um, that's a good question. Um, so I, I, as a native person, I have 
almost an entirely different life goal than what my career is. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a deep sense of obligation to to give back to my home community, to to do something useful and to make an impact for the Navajo Nation, especially as one of the very few that has been able to go on and get through college and get a career like this. I've learned now that the voice I have as a NASA engineer that is Navajo to my home community is is a big voice and and it's a it's been really cool to see that there's a ton of Navajo children and Navajo students out there that haven't been able to see themselves represented in this way. And, and now they're realizing that it's, it, they're born, they're, they're now just born into a world where, yes, of course, there are Native Americans that work at NASA. Yeah. I, and if I want to do that, then I can do that. So that's amazing. And so a lot of my efforts now are trying to do outreach in STEM, outreach in higher education, doing a lot of things back in my home community and then and then broader to the native community and then broader to minority students or people who have less access that's sort of my big push but all the while doing my job (laughs) which is studying mars Um, that's my life purpose but also in my career at nasa a lot of people will ask the question about yeah like why space why why do we even go to mars why how is it useful to us Um, especially with somebody who's so so dedicated to giving back to a human population like how is studying mars going to even help that but but as i mentioned before the like studying mars is is actually studying a terrestrial planet earth is a terrestrial planet mercury is a terrestrial planet when we learn about how those types of planets develop we're actually learning that they're they are all developed the same type of way they have the same core mantle crust they have tectonic activity they have volcanoes they have water that shapes landscape the, the wind, the pressure, atmosphere, all that stuff is shaping the way that terrestrial planets develop and what they will become in the future. And so when we study those those types of planets in space, we're learning, we're learning about Earth. Also, when we send things to the deep space and we're looking for life out there and all that stuff, we're actually learning about our specific spot in the universe. And so it, I feel like as, as humans, it's important for us to understand our place in the, in the universe, in the world. Like, what exactly are we? As college students, like all of you guys left your hometowns and then came to a university and then it, it opened your eyes to exactly where you came from in the world. Like, oh, my, my hometown was actually very unique or I had a very unique experience growing up or mine is actually very similar to this. It, it, it broadens your understanding of yourself and the world around you. And that's, that's basically what we're doing when we study space. Yeah. Do you have anything in particular to say to minority students who are studying STEM who aren't represented in STEM? One, I want to say to hang in there. I know it can be very difficult. It was very difficult for me. I know it's hard to find mentors. That was something that I don't think I ever was able to find was somebody at my university that was willing to to reach out and be a mentor. Like they, a university can hire brilliant engineers and scientists to teach you those traits, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be good teachers and mentors towards students. And so a lot of the times I think mentors tend to gravitate towards people who are similar to them, who came from a similar background to them. So until the point that we have a lot of diverse faculty members who who can then represent and mentor other diverse peoples, it will be difficult to, to find mentors and stuff, but I think it's an important thing for you to do. So yeah, just hang in there, stay grounded, reach out to, to those organizations that, that can help you. Like mine was the American Indian Science and Engineering Society where it felt like at my university, I was the only 
I actually was the only Native American in my entire department. Wow. But when I go to that organization, National Conference, I see a bunch of people like me who are mm-hmm. doing that at different universities. And we sort of became our own community nationwide. We're going to give you, Brandon, a little bit of a break. Okay. Um, we decided to, to throw some kind of fun things in and ask you like this or that questions or like just like controversial personal questions. So we're going to stop being so profound for a second. We'll get back to that in a little yeah, bit. Break up the density. Break up the density. So um, first one. So just rapid fire. So we're going to throw things at you. You just give us your honest response back. All right. Okay. So uh, what's your go to fast food order? Chicken tenders from anywhere. All right. Yeah. OK. Um, Chipotle or Cadoba? Chipotle. Really? Oh. I don't think I've ever been to a Cadoba. Really? It's one down the street. <laughs> oh, shit. Sure. More flavor, cheaper, student discounts, free guac. That's, I don't know if it's better. I'm very but... <laughs> Kit Kats. So Kit Kats in general, this is like a topic that's all around. Everyone's like freaking out about it all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, do you break them uh-huh. or do you just bite into one? I bite it. I no. bite into a stack of four. No. Not even like... Aaron. That way you can hold the wrapper, and if you if you break it up, it starts to melt in your, in well, your hands you, immediately. You can hold it in the wrapper and break sideways. You <laughs> should, that's what I do. It'll, it'll change your life forever. You should freeze them too. Um, rain or snow? Oh, that's hard. So I really like to snowboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it when it snows. But growing up, rain was a big deal in, in like Arizona. In Arizona, yeah. Yeah, as soon as it rained, like it didn't rain that often. So as soon as it rained, we would all run outside and play outside in the rain. So. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. That's a toss-up. I can't tell. <laughs> it's definitely rain for us here. We, we get so much snow. It's not oh, yeah. not like California. <laughs> no. Uh, your favorite comfort food? Um, I like like Navajo traditional food. Like there's, a th- we make mutton stew and fry bread, like sheep meat stew mm. and fry bread, and it's delicious. And that's that's what always makes me feel like home. Do you know how to make it? I know how to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, I kind of learned a little bit growing up. Fry bread is harder to make uh, for me. Um, but I, I, in my adult years, started to like practice and do it, and I can, I can actually do it on my own now. Wow. Yeah. Um, what show was your guilty pleasure? Um, uh, I was gonna say Thirty Rock is like my favorite show. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. That's not a guilty pleasure then, if it's like my obvious fave, the yeah. guilty fave. <laughs> oh man, guilty pleasure. I, I, <laughs> I don't even wanna. <laughs> Go down this rabbit. I like. I watched an entire the entire throw of Downton Abbey. Whoa. My mom got me onto it. One time, I went home and and like they didn't have really anything. They didn't have like uh, all this uh, uh, streaming subscribing stuff, and so she had this one DVD set of Downton Abbey. I watched it with her, and it, I thought we were just gonna watch like one or two episodes and go to bed. But me and her ended up staying up like close to like two thirty a.m. or so, oh, and then I came back home and I finished watching it, and I don't know. I, that's so awesome. are you a I'm fan now? It. I'm a fan. Yeah. Nice. I've not watched the movie yet, which is just, this is despicable, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. Oh my God. What's, uh, what's one of your unpopular opinions? So for example, we have a supervisor at the admissions office. His unpopular opinion is Beyonce is not his queen. Um, <laughs> some people swear that coffee isn't coffee unless it's just black coffee. Like they don't believe in Starbucks drinks. So what's one of your unpopular opinions? Oh man. Um, I don't really like cheese oh. on anything. Like, if you ask me if I want cheese on my burger, no, I don't really. Like, the, the, the sight of a lot of cheese on something just makes my stomach turn. So you're not Same. in the Chicago deep dish. You don't love that. <laughs> you're not going to go. All right, that's chill. Same that's here. Cool. Same for the vegan. Um, hot or cold? Cold. Your favorite planet? Oh. <laughs> it's like asking to choose a favorite child. I, think, I mean, <laughs> Mars. Like, I know a lot about Mars. And Mars looks a lot like Arizona. 
yeah. like one of the big things I like to tell people. I think we read that in one of in our yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool. And then last question, um, and then we have to go back to the, the deep stuff. Um, so this kind of segues into it. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, God, that's a hard one. It I, can be realistic or unrealistic. It's fine. <laughs> so I think, oddly enough, it was like, I remember telling my mom I wanted to be a mailman. Oh. Um, I don't know why. I, I thought that for, that they were like, well, you know how like sometimes firemen will stay in like a little, stay in the firehouse and be on call. Mm-hmm. I thought that mailmen had like a cool like mail house that they all lived uh, in. And, they they live in the and post I thought office. that was so cool. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cute. Second career. If yeah. NASA doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be fun. Yeah. If rocket scientist doesn't work out, then, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, thanks again for hanging in with us. We thought we'd break it up, but thanks for telling us that your guilty pleasure was down, Abby. We, we enjoyed that, too. We learned so much about you. Someone out there, someone on Spotify right now was like, yes, yes. I love that movie. <laughs> oh, man. Love so um, so back into the hard stuff. So uh, that's enough. That's enough easy for you. The communication majors will keep firing things in rocket scientists here. Um, so what's one thing you wish um, you would have taken more advantage of on your journey? What's one thing that if you can go back in time, you would definitely, definitely, definitely have paid more attention to? Gee, um, I think... Uh... You did get you did jump into the hard question. Yeah, sorry. We don't mess around. We don't <laughs> mess around 60, here. Sorry, we brought you back down and had to bring it back up. <laughs> um, so at least in college, I wish I would have I wish I would have been let's say I, I did volunteer, but also I wish I would have not let myself be volunteered for uh, so many leadership positions in different clubs, which I think a lot of people do in college. Yeah. They end yeah. up getting like Especially sucked here. into a ton of things right and then yeah. you're all of a sudden responsible for like five different clubs an officer in each one of them mm-hmm. which is great it gives you great leadership experience but you gotta narrow it down you gotta choose a few and focus on those things because then it can take away from all the other stuff that you might want to do yeah um, some of the things that i would have liked to have been doing in college would like maybe get involved in those competition engineering type competitions um that are more like nationwide like they mm-hmm. have solar engineer uh, solar car uh competitions and they have i think i heard one that was like um like a concrete boat competition yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah. um baja racing um i heard that you guys have like a f- robot football we team. do robotic football. <laughs> so like those are the kinds of things that i wish i would have been able to do because those gives you really good work experience yeah um, i also wish i would have been able to study abroad that would have been cool um where would you have gone so i actually got admitted to a study abroad program oh, no. i was supposed to go to japan I, I was cool. all, and they were, they were even going to give me like scholarship and funding yeah. to go, but as an engineering major, as somebody, yeah, yeah, it's just like, I already had a jam packed schedule. I would have had to move like two very hard engineering classes to this, to the last quarter of my senior year. Oh. And that was just too risky for me. So I yeah. decided not to do it. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense. So uh, what's something you wish you can go back and tell your younger self? You just mentioned a bit of it. You said yeah. you, you might not have been sucked into so many things, but uh-huh. outside of that realm, what's something that you would tell younger Aaron? Um, oh man, I think, um, thinking back specifically to college, like I was, I was mentioning that I, I jumped from a small town into a very prestigious, rigorous university and beginning at that time, (laughs) it hasn't stopped because it's continued even now into my NASA time. It's just feeling, it's kind of like an imposter syndrome where you, you're there, but you don't believe that you really belong there, that maybe they made a mistake on you or something. Um, and I let myself believe that for a long time. It's like, and they, it makes it really hard for you to admit when you're successful. Um, it really makes it hard for you to have self-confidence and it really makes it hard for you to feel completely belong to something. It wasn't until I finally got through, through college where I was like, oh, like, of course I was like, 
the reason why I was there and the reason why I graduated is because I am a Stanford. I am the type of student that goes there. Yeah. Um, I wasn't the exception. I wasn't a mistake. But but then I, I started to experience the exact same thing when I started at NASA, where I'm like, oh shoot, like I wasn't a stellar student in college. I was not honor student. I I made it through. I passed my classes. But when I got to to NASA, there's another level of people who are just so smart and some of them have PhDs and they some of them might even have uh, fathers that are like PhD engineers and stuff like that so it felt like jumping into another world where I felt like the underdog or that I didn't belong and so it's been taking a lot of effort for me to, to convince myself and to to remind myself that I shouldn't think that way that I'm here and I'm doing exactly what they're doing and I contribute just as much as they do and sometimes yeah. can contribute even more than they can, they can. Yeah. How do you remind yourself of that? Like, how do you cope with that? Um, I think it's important to, to give yourself credit for the, your successes. Don't downplay it. Like <laughs> a lot of times, like when somebody will start telling you, Oh, you, you did a great job on that. It's like, Oh no. I mean, I, probably because it was easy, you know, like you, you downplay how much you're succeeding. Um, Casual Mars yeah. <laughs> investigation, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and and um, understanding that everybody probably in some form or another has this, those same types of thoughts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really is a struggle with just your own mental. Yeah. yeah. I do definitely appreciate you saying that though. There's a lot of students, especially on college campuses, that get their first job or even get here, and they're like. I don't belong. No. Um, you know, there's way, there's people that are smarter than me, but there's, there's people that are going to get these jobs that I can't get. Uh-huh. Um, so it's really nice to hear someone that has been so successful say that they have the same thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone that works at NASA is literally right. exploring the surface of Mars <laughs> um, is, is having the same thoughts. So that'll be really nice yeah. for our listeners to hear. It was nice for us to hear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm like, oof, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have to worry about having that. <laughs> what do you think your purpose is? And has that like changed over time? Uh. Sorry. Heavy, heavy, we don't heavy. mess around. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can like decompress after this in your little office that we gave you. Um, what my purpose is. So I think that kind of ties into, I think there's a similar question about the curve where I separated basically what I think my, my purpose in life is more towards giving back to my home community. And, and it doesn't have to be separate from my career at NASA. And I, and I think I've found a way that I can sort of combine the two. Mm-hmm. I can be a NASA engineer. I can, I can advance in that career just like any other person that's there, but I can also use that platform and that voice to, to accomplish a lot more and to really do what I want, actually want to do, which is to help my home community. Mm-hmm. So my purpose is, to, my purpose is to, to help my home community. What does someone interested in a life of serving and a life of service toward others, what kind of qualities does that person need to have? So I hope that everybody already has some type of desire to to impact uh, the world and their home communities and um, their field in a way that's greater than just their own career path. Um, so it's sort of an unselfish way of thinking. And, and luckily, just, just being Native and being part of this, uh, being part of such a strong, tight-knit community, it was easy for me to to realize that I can contribute to that community and I can make a big impact. Um, other people, it might be a little bit more vague, but um, but I, I encourage everybody to always think about uh, the world bigger than yourself and your own path. Um, your journey doesn't have to be just get a job that will make you the most money or that will because uh, that will get you to live in the place that you want to be or something like that. Like it, the true reward for people is to to really feel the reward of helping a community and 
and and there's the there's a whole world of people that helped you get to where you are now today and it's your job now to carry that forward and help the future generations thank you um so you spoke about how busy you were in college and uh -huh. um how that sort of affected your time there um, but how did you avoid burnout ah or uh, did you <laughs> <laughs> i think i barely avoided burnout <laughs> tell us how tell us your secrets we need it um so i think i mean self-care is a huge thing mm -hmm. i remember like um i think i it wasn't until my later years that i did start to to, to learn how to say no to people yeah. to be like no i'm not gonna i'm not going to take on that giant committee or I'm not going to help plan that giant event. Um, I need time to like finish my work and then I need to have personal time and I need to not lose sleep. And, you know, like it's, it's, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, your parents and adults will tell you it's important for you to get your sleep. And it's totally is. Yeah. You need, you need to get sleep. And, and I remember my entire college time was a whole four years of not sleeping very well. <laughs> and I think I would have done a lot better if I would have just paid attention and gotten the rest I needed to recuperate. Because um, if you don't have a lot of energy and if you don't have, um, yeah, the energy to give, then how how are you going to give it to others and how are you going to put it into your studies? Lord, listen to that Valpo students. Go back and replay it <laughs> and listen to it again. This is a, this is a podcast, you know, I could see, but when Aaron started talking, Liz started snapping. Like she's snapping to the My sorority snap. college students need sleep. Yeah. Awesome. What What's your favorite form of self-care now, now that you're out of the craziness, maybe into new craziness? Um, let's see. Um, and actually in the middle of the craziness, one of the things I used to like to do was play piano okay. and so I would like go squirrel away into like the music department and find a piano that's in this tiny room somewhere and just like sit there and play for an hour um sometimes just being alone and, and uh taking walks around our, ca our campus was beautiful mm -hmm. and so I love to just walk around and, and actually that's how I used to study sometimes is at night when everybody's asleep it'd be like past midnight I would have like my flashcards and I would just take a giant walk around campus and just like flip through my cards and study um now um i think it's important for me to take ample vacation and it's it's something that we still struggle with like we talk me and my coworkers talk about it all the time where um we're not we're not being told that we have to work crazy hours when our employer is not saying you have to do this otherwise you'll be fired like we put all that pressure on ourselves yeah. because we're still the same person that, we are, that we've been all along in college and whatever. We're still the overachiever. We're still striving to do a good job on our project. And so we'll put in a ton of hours um, to try to get a project done when, when you could also not do that. <laughs> you could also do the work that's required of you and then say, that's enough. That's what I was asked to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, still do that well, but, but, don't don't feel like you need to be the, the last person standing or the last person in the office like there's there's no honor in in being the being the person that works the most um uh yeah. so it's important to take the time off that you need to for me it's important for me to go back home and see my parents and see all my relatives all my relatives still live on the Navajo Nation in northern Arizona so every holiday when I go back I see all of them my mm -hmm. entire mom's side of the family my entire dad's side of the family it's got to be around 200 aunts uncles cousins wow. like total people you know it's a giant family and so it brings me a lot of uh, it, it re revitalizes my energy when I get to go home and see them and be be back home and all that stuff yeah for sure it's awesome well 
Yeah, I think that's about all the questions that we have for you. Do you have any last thoughts, anything that we didn't get to that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I actually realized that I didn't uh, share with you um, the stuff that I'm working on now. Yeah. I, I talked about curiosity. Yeah, it's so exciting. Wait, please tell us. <laughs> I talked about insight and I talked about curiosity, but right now I'm working on the Mars 2020 rover. It's the next Mars rover that's going to launch next year, I think in the July timeframe. Mm -hmm. So it's soon. It's actually going to yeah. happen very soon. Oh, um, it's going to be a Leo. <laughs> it's very, so you can imagine it's, it's, it's like finals for us at NASA. You know, yeah, like yeah. We are, I actually finished my part of it already. So I'm sitting in a good spot right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm now helping with the rest of the team trying to get everything ready. Um, so there's a lot of testing going on. Um, and, and the rover's all built up, and I got to see my parts integrated into the rover. Um, this rover is very similar to the Curiosity rover. If you look at pictures of that, it's basically the same body, same type of wheels, same um, mast, which is sort of looks like the rover's head with its eyes and the same cameras and stuff. Yeah. It also has an arm, but um, whereas Curiosity sent up a drill that gathers uh, like powder from rocks, this next rover will gather a rock core a completely intact rock core and save it inside a sample tube so that we in future missions we're going to send maybe two more missions to grab those samples and bring them back to yeah. earth so it's the first time we'll ever have brought anything back from mars to earth um, so it's not pulverizing it this time it's just taking like the whole thing that's right so we should get like a nice little intact rock sample wow um, and so uh, that kind of does a couple of things. One, we'll be able to study it in a, in a way that's been much more advanced than we've done in the past. Sure. But also it sort of is the, the baby steps for us to learn how to retrieve things from Mars and to send heavier things to Mars. And all of that's paving the path for eventually sending humans to Mars. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a really exciting mission and it's happening right now. So like, I think you can like, look at a live feed of the rover being built. Um, if you pay attention to the news, there's all kinds of stuff happening. If you live near Florida, then go check out the launch in July. Yeah. Um, I've been working on it for the past four years or so, and I'm, I'm specifically working on the adaptive caching system, the sample caching system, which is one of the primary reasons we're saying this rover is to get, gather those rock core samples and save them in sample tubes. And I'm in charge of the drill bits that are going to drill that rock wow. and do that. So there's, there's three different types of drill bits. One of them drills into grabs rock cores. One of them gets loose soil samples and one of them makes shallow, maybe like two inch diameter abrasions so that we can, we can image mm -hmm. um, under, under like a top layers of rock. Um, and we're sending nine total bits, um, on the rover and so I, I got to design test build deliver um all those bits for the rover that's so cool this is like everything i learned in earth and space science in high school like coming to life in front of me i have a, that's a, so cool i have a crazy off the wall not like an off the wall question but when you talk about the rover how big is something like this that's going up yeah. it can't be huge i'd imagine but it can't be like tiny either to withstand right. things like that yeah uh, this rover is pretty big it is the size of a small car okay um it, if you the the I think it's probably the size and weight of maybe a Mini Cooper. Um, when it's uh, when it's deployed and the mast is up, its head is up, I think it stands about seven feet tall. So it's taller oh. than humans. It's giant. That's... <laughs> yeah. You make it sound so easy too. Like it's just, it's, oh yeah, we're just gonna go and like drill into <laughs> drill into Mars. And it, it has it's so common, so, it's so cool. beyond me. Well, yeah. we're working on a podcast here. So. <laughs> no, that sounds so cool. You must be so excited. I'm very excited for it. Um, the Insight mission was the first time I ever sent anything to Mars. Mm -hmm. Giant milestone for me. I'm so proud of that. I, I yeah. couldn't be happier. This will be the second time I sent anything to Mars. Um, and this this is the first time I also got to 
sort of lead my own team and be in charge of a bigger part of the mission and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's been a nice like jump up in in uh, responsibility, and it really feels good to be to, to accomplish that. You know, yeah. It's and it's actually history too. Like it's the first time that there will be a sample back here yeah. on Earth, which is and phenomenal. something I like to tell people also is that. Like I said, this is the first mission in a series of Mars sample return missions. Um, those next ones are coming along. We don't really know quite yet what they're going to look like. So they're in the very early design, like planning phases. Mm-hmm. So like university students, when you, by the time you graduate and you start working, you could be part of the next mission that's going to retrieve the samples. Your younger brothers and sisters who might be in high school or elementary school could be part of the mission that's actually going to return those samples to Mars, from, from Mars to Earth. So it's kind of crazy. Like even when I think back to the Curiosity rover, they were they started to design and plan it when I was in high school. Yeah. And then for the four years that I was in college, they were starting to build it. When I started working there, they were actually building it, and I actually got to work on it. Wow. So like it's kind of cool to see like within your year, within your years, in these next couple of years, you could become part of it if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, we'll end with that motivation to get through the end of the semester. You <laughs> could be working on the next Mars mission. No biggie. Aaron, thanks again for being here um, and answering all of our tough and some of our not so tough questions, including the, the binge watch. Uh, we really can't wait to see what happens next. We're going to pay close attention to the news and we'll be paying attention here. And, sure. and Liz and I will tell everyone that we got to interview you. So. Um, but we're really are grateful for the time that we've got to, to spend with you today. So thanks again for coming. Appreciate yeah, that. Thank you guys very much. I enjoyed it. And a huge thank you to all of our listeners. So you can continue to listen to this podcast and any of your favorite streaming services. We're live on iTunes, Spotify, the Anchor app, as well as five other streaming services. So there's really no excuse to not have that access. Please like and comment on what you'd like to hear from us in the coming weeks. We'd love to hear from you. For now, that's a wrap from us at the Institute for Leadership and Service here at Valparaiso University. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you again soon. We look forward to the time we bring another episode. Thanks. Goodbye.